Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee Theology and Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Tim Whitaker, joined here by my co-host, Rob McMichael. Hello, Rob. Hello, Tim. It's good to see you. No, no, it's good to see you. No, no, it's better to see you. It's been a long time. It has, Uh, although we have hung out. Twice. Yes. (laughs) Sorry, listeners. (laughs) We did try. We did. Um, One thing I will say is that our last episode, we said, you know, hey, we're going to get on a on a on a on a steady schedule to maximum three weeks right but we're aiming for two weeks and that was three months ago yes here we are so we're doing good we're we're not doing good rob we're not doing this is like new year's i'm gonna lose 25 pounds 50 pounds up later we'll see no (laughs) yeah it's just it's not working out but i'll tell you what it is good to be back it's been a long time um, I got a few messages of people asking when we're going to podcast next. So to all my two listeners out there, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got a text message the other day that was just a screenshot of one of those messages. And Tim's like, all right, I guess we have to. I guess we have to. So we're back for now. Who knows at this rate, though, when our next podcast will be? Coming 2019. Could be. Absolutely. Um, anyway, Rob, good to see you. Um, we're drinking our favorite coffee, of course. Um the Dunkin' Donuts kind. Yeah, it's it's terrific. So much to get to, so little time, so let's hop right into a bunch of things. First off, uh, Rob, I heard that um, that you're uh, pregnant again? Uh, yes. Yeah, we're oh. expecting our fourth child now. Con- congratulations. And um, yes, um, is that true or not? No, that is not true. You're sure? I'm sure. I get worried with you guys. Listen, we'd have to skip a child to get to our fourth. We only have two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know or have you, twins. I know you want like you know seven. What, how many? How many children do you guys want? We initially say like seven, but we'll see. We I, also want to adopt though, and so are yeah. you. Op- are you open to having more? Yeah, like more more than seven. If hey, listen, the scripture says. Oh boy, <laughs> blessed is the man with children. Blah 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 blah. Something like that. <laughs> Oh, you cracked me up, Rob. You never <laughs> cease to amaze me. Feels good to be back in the swing of things. Let's hop right into a new segment that we decided to start starting today, which only might be for one episode. We don't know yet. But instead of Christians in the news, we decided that really Christians in politics is probably a much better name because at this point with the current administration, everything's going to be back to some kind of political thing with me railing against our current President Trump and the uh, evangelical right. Well, don't rail, because railing is a sin that is excommunicable from the church. All right, fine. I will just vent. You know, you Listen, I've had a lot of things on my mind for the past three months, and Facebook does not cut it. So I this might be a four-hour-long episode. I'm not sure. I'm good. All right. You're, you're in? I'm in. I let's got coffee. Get, let's get started with a few things, all right? Um, did you have something that, that, that you wanted to bring up first? Uh, yes. So... Our good friend of the podcast, yes. Mr. Shane Claiborne. What up, Shane? Uh, he wrote a, a letter of invitation that I would just like to read. All right, we're ready. I, I think it'll c- tie in with what you want to go into next. I do. So his letter that he posted was, Dear Jerry Falwell Jr., will you have a public conversation with me about whether or not Jesus would support Trump? Sincerely, Shane Claiborne. Drop the mic. And it does say in his note, 
I'm serious. Hey, it would be a great conversation, but Jerry Falwell will never do it. Do you know why? Because he is so pro-Trump. Well, you just can't line up any worldviews of Jesus with Trump's policies. Right. Now, that being said, I'm not a big fan either, for the record, of I think Shane sometimes and people in that, I guess, more activist movement do still see government as, as a solution for a lot of things and that, you know, we should influence government policy on the other end. So I'm not sure if, you know, Christians could justify voting for Obama or Hillary Clinton either. You know what I mean? Right. So I wonder if Hillary Clinton was in office, if Trump would say the same exact thing. I don't know. Right. But I think one of the differences is that the evangelical culture would almost all across the board vehemently – did I say that word right? Vehemently. Vehemently be against Hillary. Right. There would I, not be this culture of acceptance and praise and love for someone like Trump. Nor would they be like, oh, we just had a Bible study and we prayed for Trump. Right. Or prayed for Hillary. Right. Exactly right. Which brings me to my, my first piece of news. All right. I, I knew where you were going. That's why I segued you nice. You know me so well. So I did a little, a very, very basic, um, I, I did some basic research. Okay. Now, a couple of weeks ago, uh, let's see here, man. So much, so many things to get to. I, I have so many tabs open on my computer right now. <laughs> so. On July 12, 2017, CNN and a bunch of other um, news organizations ran an article that said evangelical, uh, evangelical, it's a little late, <laughs> evangelical supporters meet with and pray for Trump, all right? And it was a whole article about how people who were in the, in the Christian culture world, they actually laid hands on Trump in the Oval Office. It was such a big moment, and... Um, it was just all about how much they support Trump and how they want God's anointing on Trump. And I thought, okay, I understand that. Now, they did also say that um, in, the, like in, in that article, one of the guys hinted that, you know, hey, they have tried to pray for Obama before, but it just wasn't the same feeling according to what they said, all right? Christianity is all about feelings. Right. So what I decided to do is I decided to Google Christians praying for Trump. Because if you Google Christians praying for Obama, um, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm backwards here. I wanted to Google Christians praying for Obama. If you Google Christians praying for Trump, you will see immediately this article of a picture of men laying hands on, on President Trump to be prayed for. If you Google <laughs> the other thing of Christians praying pray for Obama, you get a few articles about how Obama said for us to pray for Christians who are being persecuted, which is really nice. That's a good thing. And then you have this article that says, <laughs> Senator David Perdue's prayer for Obama, let his days be few. And he actually prayed for Obama to be killed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Georgia senator invoked a psalm calling down divine wrath on an enemy, but he insists he meant no harm. Well, of course. That's what happens when you Google that. Again, you Google pray for Trump, you get this great picture of evangelicals all around him laying hands on him. You Google pray for Obama, and you have a, a senator calling down divine wrath upon his enemy. Do we not the double standard? No, I'm with you. Right? I <laughs> and this goes back, this all ties back to this. I don't know why I say the same stuff. I, I, don't, I, can't, I can't get this out of my head. So many Christians, when Trump got elected, 
oh, we have to pray for our leader. We have to support our leader, whoever it is. But that's a load of BS because when Obama was in office, that was not the, the, the rally cry of the Christian evangelical culture. It was not we have to pray for Obama. It was Obama is not a citizen and Obama wants to destroy the country and Obama wants to enact his socialistic agenda with Obamacare. It was nothing about the person, everything about his policies. But now it's the opposite. Now it's about the person and some of his policies, which are good, but ignore ignore the person. You know, ignore his multiple his comments. No, no, no. We need to pray for our leaders. It drives me up a wall. I, I actually remember um, the second time Obama was elected. So we have, at our church, we have a midweek Bible study and prayer meeting. And so that's on Wednesday. So the election obviously happened on Tuesday. Right. So the results were in for Wednesday. Of course. And during that meeting, I prayed for our continuing president, tr- uh, uh, Obama at that time. Yes. And I remember someone came up to me after it and was like, well, I'm I'm glad you prayed for him, but I don't know if I could have said those words. And I was just like, what? What, what do you mean? That, that's right. Because I said... Hey, God, obviously, you have chosen Obama to be. Oh, no, no. God couldn't president. have chosen Obama. He only chose Trump. <laughs> right. He, uh, no, Obama was the dark days. Yeah. Obama was when America was hijacked, but Trump will bring it back. That's what they say. Right. It's bonkers. Uh, can we just end the podcast now <laughs> so I can go just, home defeated? Yeah, let's uh, let's we'll both I mean, drop our mics. Holy smokes, dude. Oh, I mean, holy smokes. It's. I can't take it. I can't take the one-sided, blatant hypocrisy from Christians who try and make it seem like they're just trying to be a good-standing Christian. No, you are clearly biased towards one side of the aisle, and you at least admit it. I would rather you say, you're right, I only pray uh, and I only support right-wing conservatives. Right. I do not support or pray for the left. At least you're more honest at that point. You know? And, yeah, no, I agree. Instead of this double-faced, when a Republican is in or a conservative is in, oh, we pray for our president. Oh, it's such a good thing to pray for those in power. Right. He's in, I, and also, you know, I um, well, Rob Bell. Um, I read an article with him da, in da, it da, recently. Da. Right, we're not going there yet. Maybe even uh, even if at all tonight. But he did. He's going through this big like Bible Belt tour. You know. And he did make a great point. I'm sorry that Christians voted for power and uh, what do you say, power and safety? I think or something like that. You know, uh, power and control uh, with Trump. And absolutely, their 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 vote, the vote for Trump was not one out of he's a good Christian man or I, his policies support you know a more free country or his policies support you know whatever it is. It was oh no, we want our power back. We want we want to be in control. We want to feel like like the majority again because our, because the faith is being lost in the culture. Maybe that's their own fault. But again, whole right. whole different discussion. So yeah, I don't think that's the politicians' fault. Right. I think that's the church's fault. Right, right, Ex- exactly right. Now this brings me to the other piece of news I wanted to share. All right, I just read this tonight on Charisma News, another great website <laughs> full of journalistic integrity, <laughs> and. <laughs> The title is The White House is Undergoing a Spiritual Awakening. And essentially what's happening is um, the cabinet, Trump's cabinet, has been called the most... um, Those that are left. Yes. Has been called the most uh, evangelical cabinet in history. 
All right. Because now they're holding Bible studies in the cabinets, meetings. I don't know how that how that works. I'm assuming that that that, that once a day or something that they're meeting. I would assume. Yep. Perhaps. Right. It makes sense. Okay. So that being said, they're doing Bible studies now. At first, you're kind of like, wow, that's great. You know, I'm glad to hear it. And Which okay. is when you just told me this article, that was my first reaction. Right. That's, oh, wow, that's a right. good thing. No, no matter what side you're on, that's a good thing. But then I thought about, let's say that they had a Koran and they were studying the Koran in the Oval Office or, or in the White House, you know, and the cabinet was the most, um, most Islamic cabinet in history or the most um, Hindu cabinet in history or the most Catholic you know, um, well, yeah. they, no, no, never mind. <laughs> I, I think people w- w- would be clamoring for separation of church and state. I don't know if it's a good idea or if it's healthy to be having Bible studies in a place like, like the White House or in, the, in these cabinet meetings, because we like it when it, the shoe's on, on the right foot. But when it's on the other foot, that yeah, could be a major problem. Foul. Right. So how, you can't call foul if it's a group that, or if it's a religion that you don't like. But you, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. So I don't know how I feel about that, honestly. I just don't. Not to mention the article is so biased. I mean, it's like these these are men who have no moral compass. It's very clear. Pence, Trump, I don't see them as moral people at all. Maybe Pence a little bit. I don't. I don't yeah, really. Pence, we don't for, get much right from what much I interface with. I mean, him, I so. saw his debate a couple, what, almost uh, six months ago. I thought he was pretty nice, and I, I think he is somewhat devout, I guess, of, of a Christian politically speaking. But I, you know, I, I think that that. President Trump has about as much fruit under his belt as Obama does when he claimed to be a Christian, which right. is to say pretty much none. You know what I mean? Just like how I don't think as a Christian you can support uh, abortion or even um, you know um, homosexual marriage, gay marriage. Um, Trump, I don't think, is any more moral for things that he supports. I, right. I think that the way he views uh, wars or profits or just the idea of greed, I don't think puts him in somehow a better boat, So personally. So... I think what's almost worse though is that the is that the right wing evangelical movement has embraced Trump as a Christian when with Obama that Obama they totally denounced him. Right? right. So Obama could never be a good Christian. No matter he he had a whole initiative on fatherhood as a as president. Not a peep from evangelicals. I mean, what a great thing to be a part of, you know? Fatherhood. Something that we really are all about. But no, terrible, not a Christian. But I think it comes back to something we've talked about on the podcast before is Christians have developed their their mountains that they put their stake in. And as long as you subscribe to those two mountains, which gay marriage and abortion, abortion yeah. as long as you're, you're in line with those two, you're a good Christian. Right. But, right. I mean, if you're, if you downgrade women, uh, that's okay. Right. Uh, if you are big into greed that's fine right you like to just make money it doesn't matter who you treat and how you treat them that's okay you're a womanizer sure that's fine you're on your third marriage no problem <laughs> you want to pose on the cover of playboy it's okay yeah no that, that's all good wait you think gays have the right to be married in our country for not a christian it. not a christian impossible <laughs> and you're probably you probably weren't born here either for the record i'm just saying Listen, man, I, this comes down to how you read scripture. And I think this is a whole different topic, but I'm more... Okay, so here's the thought I've been having. That, that segues kind of into this. That's a little bit off of what we plan on talking about tonight. Okay. So I had a really good discussion with one of my buddies uh, named Paul. He was in town. 
great guy. Uh, he's getting his PhD in American history and also church history, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. So he's like super knowledgeable and just really up to, he just knows a lot about. Why the, is he not on the podcast? The idea of Christian tr- uh, tradition. He lives in Texas and I thought about it for sure. He, um, Paul, you're on the podcast. We'll talk about this later on. Okay. But my point is I had him over. Uh, he was in town. So we had a, Sarah and I had a chance to sit down and talk with him. And man, it was just so good. And he is, um, oh, what is the denomination? It's not Catholicism, but it's like. Anglican? Yes, he's Anglican. And I'll tell you what, man, like his thought process, his views, like I I thought they were at, at a minimum respectable. Like, wow, I never, th- you know, they, they treat like the Eucharist really seriously. And they mm-hmm. treat it differently than how most Protestants treat it. But his view of it was like was so much so much more of like a high regard, you know. But a lot of that came down to scripture and how they viewed scripture. And one thing that I've always thought about, even even before I talked to Paul, that just kind of reaffirmed my thought was, I think one of the biggest weaknesses and downsides to the Reformation, right? So Martin Luther, and just you know everyone should be able to read the Bible. I think one of the biggest downsides was that. Now we have all these different denominations who are all reading the Bible so differently. And I don't know if the Bible was designed to be read so differently. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I mean, listen, I get the other side of it, too. The other side is that you have, like, you know, one or two people that you appoint to translate the Bible for everyone else. And that really opens you up to a lot of, as we've seen in the past, and, you know, even when we know basic history of the Catholic Church, you know, just greed and deception and you're right. you're, you're buying your salvation but I can understand why why there's almost like more security or I guess safety in the idea of we believe that God elected this person to interpret the Bible this way and we're we're all agreed as a as a congregation or as a domination that this is how it's supposed to be read. You know what I mean? Because I think when you read scripture with all these different kinds of slants, you end up being able to make scripture whatever you want, from Westboro Baptist to Shane Claiborne. I mean, opposite, complete opposite extremes, you know? Mm-hmm. So I I think that that ties back into how a lot of mainline Christians read Scripture now that fits into this politicized agenda of why these two issues are super big while we ignore so many other big issues about that, that Scripture teaches. I think that comes down to just a poor reading of Scripture. And do you think that's... So I'm not trying to get doom and gloom. We're in the end days. But do you think that is part of the the ways that you saw the end days were coming was listeners who had what what the scripture says, itchy ears that only wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. And they only get preachers that preach the things that they want to hear. I, You know, stuff, end days, whenever we talk about, about like end days and stuff like that. I always kind of get a little hesitant mm-hmm. because you just never like. I feel like that stuff has always been happening. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Heresy and, and false teachers have been happening since like the Bible was still being written. Paul talks about it in Scripture, right? Um, but I don't know, man, because it's getting to a point now where it's it's ballooned. It's right. so it's big. so widespread, and it it, it kind of feeds the notion of like, well, what is truth? I mean, you know, Christians like to say that 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 they know truth, but there are so many variations on what Christians believe. What is true? How right. do you read scripture when it comes to uh, the charismatic gifts, right? How do you read scripture when it comes to women teaching or whatever it is? And I think that no matter what, the, the core message will always be preserved. I don't think that these are salvational issues, but it does kind of make you wonder like, well, you can't, you're saying mutually exclusive things. You can't right. both be right. Mm-hmm. That would be impossible. Yeah. So and it I, makes you wonder. I think it, it, 
it plays to the skeptic's mind who is looking at Christianity with an analytical sense and saying, okay, well, does this line up with this? Does this make sense? And I think it's pushing more people away than it is bringing them forward. Well, it, it, it ties back to the idea of we live in a postmodern society, and we have a very postmodern church when you think about it, not because they believe any truth, but they believe so many different things about the same truth that they all came, claim to believe. Right. Well, we interpret it this way. Oh, well, you must be right. Well, we interpret it this way, so you must be right. Well, what's And then we go back to essentially what we say to each other is, well, what's right for you is right for you, and what's right for me is right for me. We'll I'm not going to change. We'll disagree. Right, right, right. That's the Christian version of that, right? Yeah. Which I get because you're not going to – I'm not going to change the – Assemblies of God denomination or the, um, you know, Christian Missionary Alliance denomination, I, I'm not going to do that based on mm-hmm. my thoughts, you know what I mean? So I, in some way, yes, you kind of have to put some things aside, right? But it does make you wonder, I think, a little bit of like, hmm, the Reformation, I think, was necessary and good, and I think God works in all those places. But, you know, one of the big side effects was that there are like thousands of different denominations because if someone doesn't agree, they just say, well, I'll start my own thing. Right, because because now I have the authority as as a you know to to do that. I have the authority just to say I'm starting a new church, and that's how you get everything from Joel Osteen all the way to Rob Bell, right. to Francis Chan to Driscoll, to everything in between. You know, you're able to build these churches that in your own eyes, because who says there's no ultimate authority? And, and I think I love Francis Chan, and you gave his name, so you know I got to bring him up. He was a great example of when he started his church, Cornerstone, it was, what do I need to start a church? And he listed off like five things, and he got those five things, and pretty soon it was a 5,000-member church. And then he looked around, and he was like, is that what the Bible said I needed for a church? And right. he left it. And I, I give him major props for that because it's, it's going against exactly what you just said. It was right. Hey, uh, I don't agree with you on this, so I'm just going to start my own thing here. And if that's the attitude that we have, then yeah, well, that's how we got to all of these denominations. Where instead, it should be, all right, our views are different on this. Let's discuss it, debate it, and see what the scripture says. You know what's funny? Um, some people really push back against uh, Francis Chan doing that. Mm-hmm. When he left his church, I think he talked to like he had some like Facebook. He spoke at, at like a Facebook meeting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and people came out or like offended that, that like the real reason he left his church was they you know in their minds like wasn't like a pure one or something like that. I'm trying to find the article now so I can go into more details. But super like why are people against this idea? And all the all the, all like the reasons like why were just so. They were like dumbfounding, you know, like, uh, well, if people aren't being fed in a, in a Sunday morning, because one of one of Chan's points was that like people weren't like able to use their gifts. Right. Uh, because it, it, you're right. Modern day church is very spectator driven. Right. And so the, like the response is like, well, if you're if people aren't using their gifts, you're not doing it right. And it's like, but you don't get it, though. What do you mean by that? Because when people really, when you really think about it, most Christians attend a Sunday morning service and that's it. Mm-hmm. They're not invited to participate or use whatever God-given gifts they have unless they volunteer in some ministry that the church needs to get done. And Children's a, nursery, worship, whatever it is. And in a church of 5,000 people, you're telling me that there is one gift of pastor? Right, right. Or maybe, maybe three or four. The ratio is still so small. You know right. what I There's mean? only a select number of gifts, and if we all have one, it's not, hey, 1% gets the pastor gift, the rest of you get the gift of helps. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just... Uh, I don't know. It's one of those things where, again, you 
one person says one thing, other person says another thing. You just kind of can't keep up <laughs> with just all the different opinions because we're we're in such like a opinion driven culture. I mean, everything is just so opinion based, and it can be. It's a foggy culture, man. Like it's hard to kind of decipher like what's true and what's not, and you know, especially when you can't like maybe scientifically prove things, which we're so scientifically based as a culture. It's tricky. It's just not. It's not easy, you know. So th- this kind of leads into a- another discussion is then how do we how do we deal with truths that we know are not scriptural truths? So somebody comes along and says, we'll use Rob Bell as the example because he's always the poster boy for heresy at this point. Always. So, you know, everyone that hasn't read his book says, well, Rob Bell says there's no hell. Right. And that's what he wrote his whole book on, even though it's one page of a chapter. Literally. (laughs) I read the book. And so that is black and white. That's heresy. We need to kick him out of the church. But if there's other things that are clearly heresy, prosperity gospel, we don't treat those with the same uh, temperament or the same... Or tenacity. That's the word I was looking for. Literally, John Piper tweeted, farewell, Rob Bell, when Love Wins came out. That's what he said. I've never seen anyone tweet, farewell, Joel Olstein because the church accepts it. Right. They'll say he's a heretic, and here's... Okay, this goes back to my Facebook thing. People always comment on me. Why are you bringing up Joel Olstein when we're talking about Rob Bell? Because the way we treat them is so different. And ironically, people like Joel Olstein have a much larger outreach much larger joel olstein runs i think is it the world's or 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 it's at least the united states largest church yeah i I say that loosely quote unquote church right if by church you mean self-help with a little bit of god language sprinkled in honestly that's what it amounts to (laughs) the babylon b article did you see that one which one the the, uh what was the title um Motivational speaker still refers to himself as as pastor as Sunday morning pastor. Dude, it's so true though. <laughs> we really have taken self help and it's been like Christianized it, super Christianized. It. And listen, Joel seems not the only one. I think he's the most blatant one, right? But like his messages, they're not gospel centric at all. No. I mean, think about it like this, right? Imagine if Rob Bell had a church of was what do they have thirty thousand people? Something crazy. It, like it, that. It's a freaking stadium. Every Sunday had maybe four or five like bestseller books on the Christian book charts, and also had the uh, most popular Christian podcast on iTunes. And he was saying, "Oh, there is no hell." Man, he might he might be dead at this point. Someone might have assassinated him. But we allow Joel Osteen to do this stuff, and I'm using Joel Osteen as a as a straw man, as like a poster boy for that right. whole movement. He's the most popular one. But man, we let Joel Osteen do that all the time. And yeah, we'll say he's a heretic. We'll write an article here and there about how he's a heretic, but there's no action. He's not kicked, he's not kicked out of Christendom. Yeah, nobody's saying goodbye, Joel Osteen. Right. Or- no one's no one's putting pamphlets in their in their um in their bulletin saying why to say uh, you know why you should stay away, uh, stay away from Joel Osteen's books and I'm not kidding you when when Love Wins came out I was at a church they had a whole pamphlet in their bulletin about why you should stay away from Love Wins and how it's heresy I mean that's a whole different kind of that's a whole different level of attack than and here's the thing I don't think Rob Bell I I really wouldn't consider at this point really even a Christian I guess you know he is 
some things he says I really like. Other things I think are just way out there. And he's so hard to pin down because he's purposely like kind of open, which I think is kind of dangerous, you know. Right. But he at least like invites people to like pursue like this idea of God in truth in some way, shape, or form. Like, he does say that. Like, he's pretty clear. Like you need to pursue who God is and find that out. And that might, might that might look a little bit different for different people. And that's when he kind of loses me a little bit as far as like how wide that river is. Right. But at least he's trying to get people to find truth. Joel Osteen wants your money. Right. I mean, Joel Osteen wants you to be, to be a better you in seven days. I mean, that's stuff. It, it's not. It's not even a noble. It's not even like a noble, noble pursuit. So then you can give ten percent next Sunday. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, I. That's why I get so frustrated with with people who give guys like Rob Bell, you know, a hard time, and they just give guys like Joel Osteen what I would consider a pass. Right, passing. They may be against him, but it's just like passing comments. Yeah, well, Joel Osteen. Blah, blah, right, we blah, all know blah. he's a big joke. Yeah. But yet he has the world's largest church. So clearly people are not informed on that. They're not in on the joke. Right. There are good people who are giving their money to him who really think that all God wants you to do is have a better life, and God wants you to name and claim it, and God wants you to have this huge house and live super comfortably. Like That's what God wants you to do. That's not, It's not even anywhere close to biblical. No, you know, at at least guys like Rob Bell or T- or Tony Campola, at least they're they're somewhat justice driven. At least they want change. At least they think about the poor and the marginalized. For crying out loud, I mean, give them points for that. And they're they're seeking truth. It may not be what we say is right, or and, what we look at. Right, and truth. listen, I think that guy, you know, especially guys like Rob are, you know, they're they're a little too deep down the the new age well for me for right. sure you know there's definitely way too much mysticism brought in and I, I you know i can understand parts of that but to someone who's a non-believer that can excuse me that uh, that, that could be equally as dangerous for sure but at least like the idea behind that is the idea of god the idea of knowing who god is the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself i mean some basic christian tenets in there Joel Osteen, I've heard his messages. He mentions God and Jesus, but it's all in the context of how you can be better, like why you deserve the best. And I've I've seen interviews with him where they, you know, point blank ask him gospel, very gospel pointed questions, and it's like skating around an ice rink, and he never hits the center. <laughs> You're right. You're right, man. So, you know, it gets me frustrated. It is what it is, though. I mean. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why there's an inconsistency on how we treat different heretics because really the idea of heretics is or heresy is something that isn't commonly held in the Orthodox Christian view. And I think Rob Bell is certainly outside of that. And I think people like Joel Olsen are certainly outside of that. The only difference is that one side of it is embraced. It's kind of like, was it Paula White? Is that her name, Paula Dean? Who, 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 who prayed at Trump's inauguration? There was a girl named Paula something. I think it was Paula uh, White. I'm going to look it up. Hold on. Yeah, she was the yeah, woman Paula pastor. Though, yeah, right? the woman pastor who preaches a prosperity gospel. Who, if you go to her website, wants your money. It's pretty clear. Just buy this book. Just do this thing. Her first thing on her page is is partner with Paul with, with Paula White. That's what it's all about. You know, like so you have that person praying at the inauguration. Not really a big peep about that. Oh, Trump's a great Christian. He had a he had a pastor pray. I wouldn't even call her a pastor. How could you call her a pastor? Right. Does she pastor anyone? No, she's a motivational speaker who wants your money. Tony Robbins can do that for you, and, pro- and probably better for the record. So, I'm just saying. But then, so how do we treat heresy? Is is there? We crucify them. I'm just kidding. Deal done. Wow. All right, let's line them up. Wow. Um, but is 
so I guess the question is, with all of these denominations, with people that we say are heretical in doctrine and teaching, how should the church be treating them? How should the church be going about these things? Is there, you know, there's always the, what, the Apostles' Creed or whatever it was, the, um, what was the, what was their creed called? Oh, I can't think of it. Whatever. Yeah. Should there be a set rules of this is how the Christian uh, churches at large, these are the pieces that you should hit. Is that how we should operate or should there be more freedom? What do you mean? So you were saying that the Reformation was a bad thing because it opened up personal interpretation of scripture. I didn't, hold on, I didn't say it was a bad thing. Or, no, I one know. of the con- one of the unintended consequences. The consequences, correct? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean to put those words. I'm not in your knocking mouth. the Reformation for the record. <laughs> Let's go back to just all being under the laity. I'm in. Um, but is there is there a way to get both sides where? Okay, everyone should be have have access to the scriptures, and everyone should be able to read and study and learn. Um, but what's the best way to then harness it in a convenient and good manner? Uh, break. Keep going. I'm I'm not inside your head yet. I'm trying to see where you're going with this, but I can't see it. How do we prevent what what's happening now is is really my question. But can you prevent it? Right. Either you're in one or two of the extremes, right? Either you're back to a clergy-driven religion that that makes you pay for your quote-unquote salvation, right? Because of what a good thing be, then became corrupt, or you're in the opposite where it's so wide open, everyone's brains are falling out because mm-hmm. you don't know who's teaching what. There are literally there are probably like 50 different views on just the Holy Spirit alone in modern-day Christianity, at least. least. I mean, I'm just I'm pulling a random number, but at least. You could probably go to 10 different churches and get eight different answers on on the Holy Spirit, right? And that's just one example. So I don't know. I mean, I guess if I had to really come down to it, I prefer that that one because at least I can choose to pursue truth as hard as I want to, you know? But at the same time, you're also repeating yourself. Here's the thing. I think that we forget a lot of healthy Christian tradition of like different views that have that people who are who have been much smarter than us who have already thought about. Like I think that it's so easy to be like, well, back in the day when they were dumb idiots and right. they didn't have the internet and Facebook, <laughs> they clearly couldn't have thought through the idea of church and maybe we're not doing church right. They clearly couldn't have thought about something that revolutionary. Right. I don't think we give those guys way uh, enough credit at all. I think we weigh under underestimate what they already thought through so why not build off why not stand on their shoulders instead of trying to rethink through the same things that have been talked about for decades for millennia it's it's one of the things i've been thinking about recently and you know it's brand new no one's ever thought of like this before no probably never go ahead blow <laughs> all of our minds was god intended for christians to gather in local churches yeah so if he intended that he had a pattern for it. If he had a pattern for it, there was probably some guidelines written down. Right. You know, like first and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Nah. But no, don't let's not look at those. What will bring people into our church in the modern day? Because that's what really matters. Well, 
yes, but also too how we read that in a modern day context. I think that we listen. We're we're reading we're reading letters that were written what two thousand years ago. Yeah. Two, the, the number 2000 is whatever Christian defaults to, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's always 2000, you know, like whatever it is. Although we're getting pretty close to the 2000 threshold yeah, at this point. I guess point. you're right. So, you know, 2000 years, years ago, these letters were written to a whole different culture and a whole different time about the church, right? And they're pretty... I think purposely they're pretty vague. They're not super right, it's not specific. A, B, C, right. do it's, this, It's this, not this. pray for 30 minutes and then take an offering and then, you know, it's not how it is, right? There's certain, like, heart things you have to get in there, which yeah. is what makes the gospel so um, adaptable in all different cultures, right? So I think that you can definitely do church or do a church life in a modern-day context well if you are sticking to the heart of what the scriptures are getting to. Right. But when you read this stuff, we're still reading it through a— first world American 2000 years later with all kinds of technology lens. And if you don't understand the context of what's happening in, in that original, in those original letters, it's so easy just to read it at face value and, and interpret it a certain way automatically. Right. Just this. And I think that goes back to, yes, we, because of the reformation, everyone was able to get access to the Bible and personal study. But I think a lot of that has been lost in our culture where there isn't a lot of personal study. So these ones that have access to it like never before, I mean, the apostles weren't walking around with their iPhones listening to you version on a daily basis. True. Um, Never has a culture been so exposed to the scripture. But I also, I'll say this cautiously, I don't think there's been a culture that has been more illiterate in the scripture either. Well, yeah, I think we see it. I think we'd see it with, with, with who we who we elected and why. Right. He's a good Christian man. It's like, what Bible are we reading? Like, If you're going to vote for a guy like that, at least justify it because you agree with his policies, not because you think he's a good Christian guy. Right. I mean, come on, you know? I think that that's a great example. Or how we have like this like mega church celebrity pastor mentality, mm-hmm. right? I mean, again, I think you're right. Or how we view one or two major cultural issues— while neglecting the other major injustices of our time. I think that's a big part of it, you know, or how we view greed, how we even view material possessions. I don't think we really get it here, you know, like Yeah, in America with the American dream. Uh, yeah, I don't think we, we, we get that, you know. So yeah, no, I, I agree with you on on that at least, you know, idea of, you know, hey, like I don't think we're I don't think we have it yet. You know, I don't think we're figuring it out correctly. There was a this is kind of related somewhat, just as you were saying that, it reminded me of it. But there was a missionary that I was talking to, and I think it was in Trinidad. Uh, and he was saying, you know, he was down there talking with some of the young kids. And those young kids had gotten saved, but reached by the gospel. And now the Internet's getting there, and so they're getting on Facebook. And now they're befriending some Christians in the United States. And as they're doing that, they're seeing all of these things that the Christian kids in the United States are into and doing and posting. And they said to the missionary down there, he said, why are these kids doing all of these things? Don't they know that we've been saved from that? And it was things that we would look at and say, oh, there's no problem with that. But them in their simplistic way could see through that and say, well, the scripture says we're saved out of that. Right. Why are they 
going back right. to it. Like they're so far removed. It's like, dude, how can I see that what you're in is like so not healthy for you? Right. Hmm. Now it's it's good. And it was a a stark reminder to me. It was like, what am I because of the culture that I'm in? allowing myself to say, yeah, okay, I can justify this with my Christian values when really I'm justifying the culture that I'm in, not the scripture or the right. values. I, I think media is one of those. The stuff we watch, the shows we watch. I Yeah, we've definitely talked about that. Yeah, and listen, I'm not saying by all means are am I or Rob <laughs> perfect of, of what we've seen in the past or what we, we watch, you know, but there's definitely for sure, I think, like there are times I'm like, wait, what? Like what show are you into? Right. Don't you lead worship on Sunday morning? Like the show has like blatant like, you know, rape scenes in it. Whatever it is, you know, it's like how could I don't understand that filter, you know? And then I I wonder myself like, well, are there things that I'm watching that maybe someone else would say the same thing about like, but you're watching what? You know, and there's what in it? You know what I mean? And I know you saying that you've probably had those moments like I have where you're sitting there watching something, you're enjoying it, and then all of a sudden something comes up and you're like, "Wait, what am I doing here? Right, right. Why, why am I allowing this to get into my mind so that I'll think about this for the next four days? I've been really considering how much media I've consumed and how pointless it has been for my right. life. Like, there's really been, there's been no benefit of all the TV shows I've watched. You know, it's so, so much no, of it's no. been useless. When we get to heaven, there's going to be a great Jeopardy game <laughs> on uh, uh, TV shows during your lifetime. Uh, and if you can score points, you get a conversation with Paul. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. I, I was thinking about, you know, you mentioned earlier about how the apostles or disciples weren't going through on their iPhone listening to you version. And even the idea of devotions, I think that, you know, we have such a high regard on the idea of personal time with the Lord, which I think is definitely good. But we really, I think, miss out on how communal scriptures talk about our relationship to the Lord. You know, even the idea of, of, of the church being a body, there's a consistent theme woven throughout the New Testament of the body, the body, hands, feet, legs. They're all connected. You know what I mean? And I don't think that, I think that we put such a high emphasis on, well, have you had your personal devotion time? That can be like not, listen, many Christians have never had a devotion time and are in, are in, and are in heaven right now and love the Lord like crazy. You know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. we, we forget that. Like, well, if you don't read your Bible every day and pray for five minutes and have devotion time, I don't know if you're a good Christian. Read five chapters a day if you want to get through the Bible in a year. Right. And you think like, well, the disciples never read the Bible. Yet they were Christians or, or followers of the way. You know, it makes you kind of rethink like, what really is a healthy spiritual life? I, I look. I definitely think that there's nothing wrong with being in the Word and you know right. journaling and self-reflecting on those things. But I really think that we, because we're, we live in such an individualistic society, we read the scriptures so individually that any clues to the corporate side or or the communal side of the scripture we just overlook, not on purpose, but because we're so wired to have that like, well, I have my own house. I have my own stuff. I don't share it with anyone. I don't, you know, if someone needs something, I don't do that because I'm individual. They have to pick themselves up by their own bootstraps that we miss out on like that idea of like, no, the body of Christ is a, is the church and it's a living body that has all different facets. That's a link that is connected. It's together. We're saved together. We're saved, you know, with each other. We're going to, we're spending eternity together. Not not by ourselves. So why have all this emphasis on this individual time and not this emphasis on like your communal experience as the body goes? And I, th- I think that gets to maybe a solution to the question I posed that of how do we solve this 
heresy versus personal interpretation is all right no, so no scripture is of personal interpretation um but i think that's twofold one you can't just pull a verse out of context and <laughs> oh you can <laughs> you can you can if you're certain people <laughs> but so that's the one way is you can't pull verse out and build a doctrine off of that but i think the other part of it is Okay, so I studied and I think this verse means this. Well, go bounce it off some other believers to see if, all right, no, I was actually really off on that. That's not what that means. And so I think, like you're saying, that communal sense, that I think that's what the apostles did all of the time. I mean, you think of when they all went to Jerusalem to, to um, decide on some major issues, and then they had that... Um, the message where they said, no, these are, these are what we've decided. And right. Right. And so it, it took all of them getting together, discussing it, working through it, and then coming to a conclusion. Right. I think there's, as you're saying, there's, there's too much emphasis on the individual. Well, this is what I think. This is what I believe. Well, that's great. Have you bounced it off anybody else? No matter what, we're still reading scripture through a modern day cultural lens. Yeah. And Part of that we can never escape, but that's all the more reason to why we have to study and look back on, well, what has the Christian tradition taught us about these scriptures? How did they view discipleship? How did they view church life? How did they view spiritual life? Because these guys, there have been, you know, the, 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 you know, titans of the faith, so to speak, who have thought about this stuff for thousands of years and have all different views, but there's also a common thread, which I, which I think is so necessary to find, you know? Yeah. And th- I think the good news too is that no matter what, I think that God preserves his word, meaning that maybe we don't have it all right. Maybe in, in this culture, we're going to look back in a hundred years or Christians in 200 years will look back and say, wow, like they were really focused on one thing, but their poor were just really neglected or, or how the police treated minorities was really a shame and Christians never stepped up, you know, right. that might be the truth. But I still think that the heart of the gospel is still preserved, and it always will be. You know, the the heart of the gospel, I think, no matter what translation, what culture we're reading into, is always going to be preserved throughout time. Right, because God still will find a way to bring honor to his son. Absolutely. And he's still going to draw people to his son, and people are still going to be saved. But how much are we partaking in that right. Is, right. is the real question. Yeah. Well, listen, on that note, Rob, this was a good one. This was a good one. It was a good one. It felt good. Yeah, and I I like that it we started one place, kind of went through a, a loop and Yeah, today was a little more I think a little more scattered, but I think it, it we, we wove a kind of thread through everything. Yeah, so for sure. Sometimes I know I could be a little all over the place, but in my head I just see connections everywhere. Everything's connected to everything for me. You know, it just <laughs> it links, it just does. I can't help it. So yeah. But anyway, if you're listening to this still at the end of this podcast and you started at the beginning, you can applaud yourself. Yeah. Pat yourself on the back. Good job. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode. I would love to say we'll be back in two weeks, but as as we know from history, that might not be the case. So, But we will try we our We will hardest. try. I truly like podcasting, but just life gets in the way. It just gets in the way. Um, if someone wants to finance us doing this full time and pay us each, how much do you make in your 100000 200000 uh, sure. Me, four hundred. All right, four hundred. Yeah. yeah. If uh, you want to sponsor Rob for four hundred thousand, and I'll be the meek one here for a hundred grand, um, we'll gladly do that. So you can just email us uh, or write in our Facebook about. For this. the record, I don't make four hundred thousand, <laughs> and I don't make a hundred thousand. But if you want us to, yeah. we're cool receiving Ex- that. Oh, amen. I'm going to name it and claim it. I'm going to declare, declare that someone the Lord will. will open the floodgates of heaven. Yes, and they will pour out on me. 
Oh, amen. 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 <laughs> Preach. All right, everyone, have a great night. Thanks for listening. See ya. They've got more seeds for your servant.